0: It is that time of year. It's so exciting. It's so fun to talk about. We've had some recordings this week. We have a lot of recordings coming out here at the, the four sports podcast. And of course, uh, before I keep going, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for listening to another episode. Um, this is very exciting. This is going to be, you know, you've seen the title. It's exciting. We're we're really here. It is time for college football in Blacksburg again. It's the most wonderful time of the year for Hokie fans, most wonderful time for us here at 304 because we get to have the opportunity to call incredible games. It, you know, bias, the uh, bias for sure, but I would say the best college football stadium in America at Lane is incredible. It's a lot of fun. And what's more incredible is I have Abby Nielsen here with me today, and we're going to be talking here about Virginia Tech Preview, and you've been doing a lot with this stuff recently, so you definitely have a little bit of an eye for VT football right now.
1: Yeah, um, first, thank you for having me. Really excited to be back, and yeah, I mean, over the past couple weeks, few months, but really the past few weeks, I have just been learning about Virginia Tech football as much as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. You know, unlike some of the people here, I did not grow up watching Hokie football, unfortunately, but I'm sure watching it now and I cannot wait for my first game in Lane stadium.
0: Yeah. You and I are in the same boat in that regard. Uh, I grew up a Kansas and Kansas state fan, And even on top of that, I watched a lot less college football, a lot more college basketball, but being a Hokie for the past four years, I've certainly been watching a lot more. And, you know, I I think a lot of Hokie fans would say it. I, I feel like it's fair to say here, but it feels like kind of the tides are changing in a sense. Uh, I will also say, for example, because he gave a really nice hint here, Uh, we did record some stuff earlier this week, a little bit of a teaser for that. Um, We're going to be dropping this uh, the 1st of September, hopefully, uh, recording the night before, but we did record something pretty special that we're planning to drop over the weekend, so do make sure to check that out. Stay uh, up to date, whether it's Spotify, Apple, uh, wherever you get your podcasts listening, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to have you on. we was so much fun that we actually had to split into two parts because I haven't even looked at it all yet, but it's probably like almost a few hours in recording. It's crazy how much we got out of that. So much fun. Such a fun, 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 fun episode, but I'm not gonna spoil what it is yet. So you guys probably have an idea, right? So with that being said, Abby, how about we get into a lot of VT football here and let's talk about the most important thing, something that we've been able to talk about uh, for a little bit, but the arrival of Brent Pratt, uh, new head coach here. And this is going to be, of course, his, you know, his time back in Blacksburg. He was here for a little bit for Beamer Bowl, Um, but now he's here after being a co-defensive coordinator and linebacking coach for Penn State. And I must say the You know, everything feels really, really bright going ahead, but not fully for the football reason, as much as it's just a positive aura that he brings to this organization.
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with that. You know, I remember when it was announced that Brent Pry would be the head coach. One of the first things that happened was uh, one of my good family friends who they all went to Penn State texting. They texted me about how jealous they were that we were getting Brent Pry. You know because the Nittany Lions they love him and I think the Hokies are going to love him too he's been Mm -hmm. really involved in the community so far Um, I remember back in February I I believe it was February um, seeing him participating in the annual snowball fight on drill field with all the students Um, he's been connecting with a lot of alums a lot of former Virginia Tech football players connecting with high school coaches all around the state of Virginia um, really just working to be a part of that Virginia Tech Hokie community.
0: No, absolutely. And definitely, I think in there, uh, obviously, the snowball uh, fight was pretty cool to see. But I think the biggest thing in there was the fact that he was a cl- a connecting with a lot of VT football alum. Um, Because, you know, you, you'd see it on Twitter, you know, if you're in like that Virginia Tech community one way or the other. But it, it felt like um, at least from how they're describing it, the last staff and current staff were kind of uh, are very much different with that, as the last staff was a lot less connected from how they from what they were saying uh, with them. But now the football alums are really coming in, really being welcomed in by Brent Pry because you know they're kind of a part of our history, kind of a part of our family in the sense they're Hokies for life. So. It's great, certainly, to see that, and it's great, obviously, to see him engaging with the a lot. Like, I believe I've seen him on, you know, a lot of the uh, big uh, Virginia Tech, um, like, like news outlets. Like, I believe he was on Sons of Saturday. I believe uh, I know he was on Tech Sideline, um, maybe even multiple times by now. Uh, I know, I, I think Bill Roth tweeted about that he was on uh, what Bill Roth was dropping now, the Roth Report. Um, Among so many other things, it's it's just his engagement with the community right off the bat is very very um, very good to see, and it's very good to see his positive energy about the team. It just kind of, I, I guess, it helps create a positive vibe at least for the season.
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with all that. I feel like, you know, what we say here, this is home.
0: Mm-hmm. I feel like
1: Brent Pry is really trying to embody that statement, you know, especially with connecting with alums like. Virginia Tech is home, and it always will be, as cheesy as it sounds. And you know, e- even just recently this week, it was announced that Brent Pry was bringing the lunch pail back. And yep. for those who don't know, um, the listeners who aren't aware, uh, the lunch pail is an older Virginia Tech tradition. Um, I mean, back to the Beamer days. And every week, the hardest, uh, the hardest working defensive player gets to carry it out onto the field. Um, and have that lunch pail with them. And I personally was extremely excited to hear that that was brought back. And, you know, also keeping up with the number 25 tradition. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not that this was something Brent Pride brought back, but of course, enter Sandman. I feel like there's just so much to be excited about this year outside of football um relating to brent pry and then of course there's everything around football too to be excited about
0: yeah i mean i think really the only thing that you can really really hope for uh now with this is that this new surge of positive energy is going to also be reflected at lane and of course the fans always come out to lane i can attest to that even when uh, we were struggling you the fans would come in the droves but now we would really like to see that you know even stepped up even more if possible particularly even let's say you know the Wofford game a game that you wouldn't expect that many people before at the second game of the season it'd be really nice to see a lot of that student section and you know just that stadium get filled up a lot more than uh, what they normally would be in the small games because they'd be a little bit more barren because it's smaller teams seems that like we're expected to beat so I think that's something else to specifically look out for and I think that to happen I, th- I think with all the positive engagement with the community it's kind of bound to happen so we've talked a lot about positivity though and i do want to talk about what is kind of the elephant in the room um and it's the mass amount of talent we lost now granted that's going to happen with changing of staff um but we we lost a lot of key players a lot of players that you know have been here throughout my tenure at virginia tech um from the likes of Trey Turner and Tavion Robinson, who are our top two receivers. Uh, Tavion just transferred to Kentucky. Trey Turner uh, is, I think, attempting still to go pro. I don't know if he's. I don't think he's on a team. I don't know if he's on a practice squad yet, but he's certainly working to get there. Uh, Raheem Blackshear went pro and just got cut recently by the Buffalo Bills. However, there's going to be teams certainly looking at him. Uh, it's, it was said that he was doing well. I believe in preseason. Uh, Tenuta left. I think he went pro. Uh, Mitchell went pro and he made the Detroit Lions uh, 53. And I believe Amari Barno also made the Panthers 53. I could be yeah. wrong on yeah. that, but I I know he did uh, really, really well in the preseason. But that's a lot of like top, top talent going. And that's not even including the fact that uh, we are now on yet another. Or, you know two years in a row are our starting quarterback transferred because burmeister transferred to san diego state and the year prior hendon Hooker transferred to tennessee
1: yeah so. um i think that's definitely gonna be a bit rough this season um but mm. we do have a lot of new talent coming in also oh, yeah. um most notably grant wells uh coming in for marshall and mm. my one of my biggest hopes for grant wells is as you mentioned um our starting quarterbacks have transferred. Um, for a couple seasons now, and actually, the last Virginia Tech quarterback to start for two seasons in a row, I believe, was Logan Thomas. So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, I really hope we can get Garrett Wells for two full years, maybe even three years.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, that would be really nice, and that is certainly a possibility. I believe he's a redshirt sophomore, um, coming in really young, obviously, a couple years already at uh Marshall coming in. And one of the things I found really interesting because I did want to compare his stats at Marshall comparatively to what uh, Hennan Hooker and Braxton Burmeister had done recently, and he actually did have more yards and touchdowns than either player did as starters at Virginia Tech um, with a similar accuracy to what Hennan Hooker had in his full year, uh, or not full year starting because he had to replace Willis, but he started for most of that season. So that is pretty impressive, but he also beat them in yards wise by a substantial amount anyway. So even if they had full years, Wells was competitive. Now, obviously, this is a transition from Marshall to Virginia Tech. That is definitely a step up, but you got to say with, you know, the, the personnel around him, he, he he should be expected to at least have a decent season.
1: Yeah. And I agree with that. I know one thing that's been talked about a lot is um, protecting the ball, Mm -hmm. not forcing it. You know, we know he's had some issues with turnovers in the past, um, but from what's been said uh, by him, by coach pry, you know, it it really does seem like he's been working on that a lot, really Mm -hmm. focusing on lowering that turnover count. And that's some improvement that I really hope to see this year. And I feel confident that we will see.
0: Certainly. And I think one of the uh, best things about it too is with how our team is structured, we don't have to force him to throw. Um, I believe there was a lot of times in Marshall where he had to throw a lot to keep them in the game. Um, Whereas here we have the run game to support him. I think we definitely have a a, a substantial step up defensively to be able to support him. So hopefully Wells isn't going to have to force things to keep us in the game, but that's a fingers crossed because we're in a new era. Um, But obviously on top of that as well, though he's not the starter in our depth chart, uh, big shout out to David Cunningham, um, who helped release what the depth chart plan is, I believe just for, I I think they're going week by week. So for the ODU game, and uh, Jaden Blue is expected to be a backup to, I believe, Dwayne Lofton. I'll have it, I'll have my phone open. However, I believe that that is correct. And the big thing about Jaden Blue is though, it doesn't show in the past couple of years, He is someone that, while at Temple University, had a 1,000-yard season, so he does have that in his uh, arsenal to be able to possibly pull out some sort of substantial yard season.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely hoping that we can see that this year. You know, Virginia Tech has had some struggles at quarterback for Mm -hmm. quite a while now, Um, mainly I feel like due to the inconsistency just at that position going through. Different players so fast. Um, yeah. As I mentioned, I just I think it could take some time, but I really feel like if Grant Wells can be here for two to three years, we're going to see some pretty substantial improvement, not only with Grant Wells playing, but in our program as a whole.
0: Absolutely, and I will say that definitely. Though it, it's hard to quite say how they're going to turn out yet. Um, a core four of Caleb Smith, Dwayne and Jaden Blue, presumably. Um, and uh, Stefan Gosselin isn't too bad. I will say I, I was a lot more, um, down on the receiving core when I was thinking about it prior to the season, but now looking at the depth chart, um, it's not crazy. It's not Tavion Robinson, Trey Turner, but it's not bad. It's something that, you know what, I could see something happening with it, And that's very, very exciting to have. there. And of course we had people, um, not only transferring, those were really our two biggest transfers. We also had, A veteran quarterback, Jason Brown, coming from South Carolina, but we also had a lot of key players staying around. Michael Thomas and Jalen Holston are going to be our one-two punch in the backfield. Uh, Once Michael uh, or I say Michael Malachi Thomas. Uh, Once Malachi Malachi. Thomas is healthy, uh, Malachi Thomas is currently injured and he's not going to be playing the ODU game, for what we know. Um, The linebacking core, uh, for the most part, stayed around. Dax Hollowfield really being that leader in the defense. Uh, but then you also have, you know, the likes of Alan Tisdale there, uh, and Keyshawn Art uh, artists like we uh, we have some good linebackers there, some guys that have been around for a bit. Armani Chapman, Dorian Strong, um, I already mentioned Caleb Smith, uh, Caleb Smith and Dwayne Lofton, um, in which there are high expectations in the uh, fan base for them, particularly for Caleb Smith. So, you know. Though we did lose a lot, there are a good bit of players that have stayed around and some pretty decent talent, particularly on the defensive side of the ball.
1: Yeah, and I'm I'm gonna switch things over to the offensive side here. Um, mm. with some freshmen. You know, we have in the tight end room, if I'm correct, three true freshmen on scholarship. And uh Bowen and Pry have spoken very highly of them. Um, that's Benji Gosnell, got Benji Gosnell, um Harrison St. Germain, and uh Daquan Wright. Mm-hmm. Um, a quote from Brent Pry would say, uh, he said, You'd have to show me three better freshman tight ends, particularly after this summer. Um, Bowen also said that these three freshmen, their approach, their work ethic, and their maturity have really stood out. So, that's something very positive. Um, for the future, our tight end room, also two true freshmen coming in as defensive ends back to the defense. Um, hopefully they will step up in the absence and the, uh, absence of CJ McCray, who is currently week to week. Um, and those two freshmen being Kyrie Moisten and Keyshawn Burgess.
0: Yeah, no, that's definitely some big freshman names added as well. Uh, with even, you know, a little bit of, I, I've heard positive things about Devin Farrell, uh, a young freshman quarterback as well. Um, obviously, you know, we're expecting Grant Wells to, uh, start the whole year, but you know. If the worst if the worst happens, we obviously have Jason Brown, we have Devin Farrell. So that's all good to know as well. Some really, really bright freshmen coming into this team. So with that in mind, with a little bit of a highs, a little bit of lows on some of the players that we've acquired, ultimately, I think uh, one thing that I kind of want to do here is kind of highlight what we think are the three key positions for us to have a good season this year. Um, And I kind of want to start out with mine to be able to give at least a little bit of a foundation. Uh, For third, I'm going to say quarterback. And it might be surprising to put quarterback not first, but ultimately it's because I think we are going to be focused on a different part of the offensive game that, of course, we'll discuss. But it's the fact that I don't think that we want to force too much, as you said, you know, it's trying to limit the turnovers uh, from Grant Wells. I believe he had 18 touchdowns and 13 interceptions last year. Um, So I feel like with Grant Wells taking a big step up and with having to kind of limit those turnovers, you don't want to force him into anything. Um, But you also need Grant Wells to, to, you know, to do well, to be successful, to be able to get wins, to be able to put up good offensive production. And it, it would be nice if he can outperform kind of like what our, start, our starting quarterbacks like over the past couple of years have done, at least combined. Like I have to go and look at all the stats, but, you know, I, I think it is fair to also say to temper expectations in a first year under a new staff with a new starting quarterback.
1: Yeah, for sure. And to add on to that point, you know, another key position, I feel like sometimes isn't talked about enough is the offensive line. I feel like that goes hand in hand with the quarterback. A lot of the time, you know Um, that I think the offensive line really needs to help out Grant Wells here, Um, Mm -hmm. keep the pocket from collapsing, give him as much time as possible to make those decisions, um, to be comfortable with where he's throwing the ball, anything, so that he does not feel forced. Um, that's, I think a really, really key thing this year is give him time and make sure he's comfortable because we don't want to force that ball out to somewhere where it could get picked off, um,
0: dropped, anything like that. Absolutely. And I do have a lot of, uh, uh of a positive outlook for all of our offensive linemen, whether proven or not uh, coming into this season, really because of, uh The legendary offensive line coach we have there and Rudolph, like he is so good at what he does. Just look at the running backs that have found massive success in Wisconsin not only Wisconsin, but the NFL. Jonathan Taylor, one of the best running backs, if not the best running back in the NFL. Melvin Gordon was up there at the time, and he's had so many others uh, that have been able to move on from Wisconsin to the NFL that he's been able to kind of help, you know, as the offensive line coach. He was able to kind of help push the way for those running backs to be able to succeed really get, you know, some wind under their sails. And that's obviously what we're going to be looking for with my second key position, which is ironically a good transition for me, the running back room. Um, You know, we have so many uh, like good talents there. Jalen Holston, Keyshawn King, obviously Malachi Thomas, though he's banged up. I feel like I've heard good things about Chance Black as well, but we have a great running back. Um, One of the things that you, you have to say about the last half is we recruited a lot of running backs. Quite literally. I mean, we, we recruited way too many running backs from what uh, you know from what we have found out, but we recruited a lot. And with that, we found some gems like Malachi Thomas, someone who wasn't even starting last year. And then it was just kind of like all of a sudden, I believe it was the Syracuse game, um, if not maybe it was the game prior, but it's just like all of a sudden this, this, this young kid just kind of comes out and has some incredible runs and really helps us push the way and have a good game. And it's like, who's this? How's he not been starting? And I believe, you know, when you're behind an offensive line that may have a really good structure from Rudolph. And when you have someone that showed as much talent as Thomas did towards the back part of last year, someone who has shown talent throughout his time Virginia Tech and Jalen Holston, I feel like that one, two punch should be able to get a lot of yards. And I believe that that's going to be the key factor of our offense when particularly in a season with the first head coaching staff would be nice to not have your defense on the field for a whole lot of time. And that's one of the best things about the run game It will help run down the clock. But obviously I think the most important thing is, is from what I know of this Virginia tech Blacksburg culture of football, it's about strong defense and it's about good run. And I think particularly this year with the talent that we have, that has to be, uh, one of our focal areas so that's why it's my you know second key position
1: yeah I absolutely agree with that you know I've grown up I feel like people are either a fan of the passing game or the running game and you know I I've grown up watching some pretty incredible running backs um, and I'm a big fan of the run game this year I feel very confident in it as you know for all the reasons you've said I mm-hmm. feel like we have a lot of depth at the, that position more than other positions um, especially with. Although he's injured, Malachi Thomas, and we have Jalen Holston, Keyshawn King. There's a lot of opportunity there. Um, As you said, running down the clock, keeping our defense off the field, energized. All this is contributing to a better football team. Um, Mm. I'm really excited to see the run game this year and see how that develops.
0: And the last one that I want to talk about, honestly, I think it's got to be the most important position for us. Cause I think it can really help kind of make or break. And, and I, I I'm I'm full on this, but it's the linebacking crew. Um we we know coming in here that Brent Fry um came up as a coach in this industry, really making his name as a linebacking coach, you know, defensive coordinator. Um, I mean, just think of some of the incredible linebackers he's coach, Chris Moore, who's now uh, I believe the defensive coordinator. Uh, yeah, he's a defensive coordinator slash linebacker, which is kind of like what has done. Um, he was coaching him at Vanderbilt. On top of that at Vanderbilt, you have current uh, NFL player Zach Cunningham uh, that was that played under him. I believe Stephen Weatherly also had time in the NFL. Really, really good talent. Uh, and yeah, I yeah, know Stephen Weatherly and Warren Burks. So some really good linebackers coming out of Vanderbilt of all places. Um, on top of that, you don't have to say much about Penn State because, you know, you have the defensive rookie of the year and uh, Mike Parsons, who was just coming out of that program, and you have incredible edge rushers that have been making names like Yaterk Matos, and uh, they have another really good edge rusher coming into the NFL this year. I'm forgetting who it is, but it's like another really good uh, product uh, that I think can succeed in the NFL. I think the Ravens got uh, them, but I digress. That's not as important what's important is is pry knows how to develop linebackers he knows how to find good linebackers and we know that we have talent there Hallfield's fields talented artists is, artist is talented the guys i mentioned there is talented the guys I haven't even mentioned are very talented we have a very talented linebacking group possibly the most talented like like position group on our team and you know, they're, they're going to be a huge factor, particularly Hallfield, you know, as like that leader of the defense um, to really being able to give our defense structure and give our defense a lot of quality play. We have really good defenders across the board and particularly, you know, our secondary is really good. We, pretty have, we, we tend to have a pretty good secondary, but I think that linebacking core, there's been some times over the past few years where, you know, it's been hit or miss either they'll have like a really really standout game or they'll have a game where they just it's not like they they're like horrible but it's it's its not quite up to what they their standards what they should be doing and I think if you can get consistency out of that linebacking core there can be some really good movement on the defensive side of the ball
1: yeah and I think especially with the leadership in that position too you know, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, Field, Um, and we look at the depth at that position, you know, Jaden Keller, Alan Tisdale, um, Jaden McDonald, Dax Hallfield,
0: mm-hmm. Keyshawn
1: Artis, Keontae Jenkins, Sarah Walker. There's just so many guys out there. And I think being able to rotate through them throughout the year and uh, with Dax Hallfield, I, I know it's a bit of a rough subject to bring up, but, you know, for the upcoming game against ODU, I'm correct he was at that 2018 game and to have him here back now in the locker room as a captain I think he's gonna be able to really speak on that game and really inspire some of the guys to really want to go out there and win this week you know this is a game I absolutely think we can win and I think we have a lot of leadership on our team that can help with that
0: I mean honestly a game that might be very vital to how this season goes and we are going to talk about that shortly but right before we do talk about that though I think we really need to get into something that I found interesting. Um, now, the, the the goal for this podcast as well was hopefully to get uh, Carter Hill on. Uh, he's someone that, you, know, as you listeners know, has been on the podcast frequently, beat writer for uh, football, and I believe he's going to call the game uh, down at Old Dominion uh, this Friday as well. So big shout out and big good luck to him. Um, But we were wanting to have, you know, Abby and Carter and to be able to have a discussion with the beat writer and to be able to have all these things. Now, he's doing what he needs to do. He's getting that grind. He's getting that hustle. Love But we do have some Carter Hill on this episode. I was actually able to find some bold predictions for Virginia Tech. And in comes Tech Lunch Pail. And we see a few 33 or four sports members. And we're going to talk about some of their bold predictions. And we're going to see kind of like how we're feeling about it. Um, now I, some of these predictions are gonna be a little bit before, um, where we're going to be going to, which is talking about the season as a whole, but to start off with Carter Hill, Carter Hills talking about Virginia tech could stumble to an eight win season. Um, he was talking about the fact that five and seven, six and six, seven and five, potentially eight and four, all possibilities. Um, and he cat, and he also categorized the game into five must wins. And actually, ironically, though I'm going to bring it up in the next segment, he actually organized things exactly how I did. It, it, it's games that are must-win, games that are kind of toss-ups, um, and games that are going to be very, very challenging. I phrased it a slightly different uh, way for that one. But, you know, he has five must-win games, four toss-up games, three games that, you know, are most likely not going to be wins. And ultimately, he thinks that with, with, that, with that in mind that those toss-up games kind of go in favor of Virginia Tech and get to an eight-and-four season. Very yeah, long I, I call you-
1: a lot of them the same way, and, you know, we'll talk about that later, but, um, you know, with the must-win, the toss, and the we'll try our best to win, um, yep. I, I had predicted them almost the same, too.
0: Yeah, and we'll certainly talk about that. What I will say is prior to when our skins the schedule, something that I think most fan base agrees with is this isn't a hard schedule. It's just, can we take advantage of having a, the schedule that we do have? So it's, that's kind of the issue. Um, but moving on from that, we also have a couple takes from another 33 or four resident, uh, big, 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 big fan. Uh, what I like to call is our uh, NBA guru, Will Laughlin. And he has a couple takes here. Um, that are very very interesting. One that really intrigues me. This is first one here is that he has Caleb Smith making the all uh, making an All ACC team, which I think that's kind of feasible, particularly if he's going to be our number one receiver throughout the year.
1: Yeah, I can definitely get behind that. um You know, I think there's a bit of hokey bias there, <laughs>
0: but for sure.
1: you know, I think with Grant Wells and I have no we we've said that we don't want him to force the ball but he can throw and totally. you know with a very throwing oriented quarterback I think that's going to really benefit our receivers and well to see an all ACC selection that I would that's something I would really love to see this year for sure
0: and on top of that one thing that Will points out which is why I can see this happening is the fact that Caleb Smith's been here for a bit he hasn't technically done much but it's because he's had so much talent to compete with. Obviously, Trey Turner and Tavion Robinson being you know, our top two guys, our go-to guys. And then obviously, James Mitchell at the tight end spot. Um, and before that, you had Dalton Keene as well. So we've had a lot of good talent, whether wide outs or tight ends, for quarterbacks to throw to over the past few years. So now it's kind of less that he's getting... You know, he, he's kind of towards the back of the pack because of how much good talent we have. Now it's kind of like it's his time and it it's his time to show off his skills. And I think, you know, this is very much a time where, you know, it is. It, I, I don't know what this is from, but I'm pretty sure it's a quote where it's like, make a name for yourself, kid. This is his time for him to make a name for himself as the top guy for Virginia Tech. But on top of that, as well, yeah, Will Lachlan brings up the other side of the ball and. He talks about the that the return of the lunch pail inspires a top five defense in the ACC. And to be honest, I don't even know if that's bold enough. I think we have a lot of really good defensive talent here. I could see that defense, um, you know, kind of being even rated higher than that in the ACC.
1: Yeah, I can absolutely get behind that. You know, if you look at our defense, they're extremely experienced. They've had lots of reps, Mm -hmm. and not to mention, Brent Pry is our coach now he's a very defense oriented oriented guy and if I'm correct our defensive line is all seniors I believe um we have a very strong defense we have a very underrated defense and I would love to see them get top five top three maybe even the best defense in the ACC um, if that's bold enough
0: yeah very 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 uh you know veteran oriented defense as well as you mentioned and one other thing that you know we there's there's multiple points talked about Brent Fry, but as you kind of go and look at his career in coaching, I have to say it's one of the most unique things that I've seen in the fact that I feel like he's coached just about everywhere on the defense. Um, his his first like uh big gig after Virginia Tech, he was a defensive line coach, then he was a DB slash special teams coach I believe that's what ST is at uh, at the same place in Western Carolina, then when he moved on to Louisiana Lafayette. Um, I think he's this assistant head coach slash defensive coordinator slash linebacking coach. Then he went on to Memphis. Um, gosh, that was in uh, Franklin's time at Memphis, I do believe. And he was the defensive line coach there. Then he went back to being defensive coordinator. Then he was defensive coordinator again. He, he, he's been across the defense. He like, if, if I was to say that a person knows the defense inside and out Brent Fry has got to be one of those guys up there. And you know, to also have someone like Chris Marv in your coaching staff as someone who, uh, you know, has has been coached by him and someone who's done a lot of incredible things, including he was the linebacking coach for Florida State uh, over the past couple of seasons. Um, you know, this this is a this is a really, really good uh, defensively minded head coach, a really good defensive staff. So I feel like there's a lot uh, of reasonable expectation to be able to be put onto the defense first year or not. And that's going to be highlighted a lot. And what I'm hoping is a good game against ODU. Now, when you're looking at this game, obviously this, this is our fourth meeting ever against them with the most, uh, with the only other meetings being pretty recently. But the last time we took a trip to Norfolk, we lost. Uh, that's going to be very big. We talked about that. Dax Holifield was there for that game. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't even be surprised if his younger brother who's on the team was there in the stands watching the game as well. But you have some veterans on this team that were there at the game. So this has got to be a very, very passionate game for them. And, you know, that means Hokies, first-year head coach, a game that they want to kind of get back. They want to be able to really, really, uh, you know, there's a lot of heat towards ODU. A lot of that importance of this game is going to be spread um, first game of the season under the first tier head coach. And on top of all of that, ODU was a team that was struggling last year. ODU started out last year, one and six, um, in which they actually have here on their website that they joined the 2016 Miami, Ohio team. Um, as the only team since 1936 in the AP pool era to win six games after starting the season one and six or worse. So they finished well, but they didn't start out well them in North Texas, starting out at one and six. So this is a team that started slow, finished strong and they're not home against a team that's hungry, really wanting to get revenge and really wanting to get a good result for their new head coach.
1: Yeah. And speaking of our new head coach, Brent Prye, um for those who don't know, Ricky Ronnie, head coach of ODU, has a very close relationship with Brent Pry. Um, They coached together at Vanderbilt. They coached together at Penn State. Um, while Pry was the defensive coordinator, Ronnie was the offensive coordinator. Um, Ronnie was also, I believe, the Virginia Tech QB coach in the mm-hmm. 2014 and 2015 season. So there's a lot of connections there. Um, I know there's many other connections between our staff and their staff too, but the one I'm really focusing on here is the two head coaches um going head to head and I know this is something that pry has been asked a lot about in the past few weeks um and it did bring up an interesting point of how is this going to affect the game plan between the two coaches you know is there going to be a lot of trick plays them trying to out coach each other trick each other or is it just going to come down to who has more talent on their roster because these coaches know each other so well, they've been together for so long. Um, I can't imagine there's many plays that the other one does not know about. Um, Mm -hmm. so, you know, I, I do think that's gonna bring this game down to talent, you know, who is the better team. I don't think a coach is going to get out coached. I think players are going to get outplayed. And I think that's where Virginia tech does have the advantage. Um, Adding on to coaching, ODU is in a bit of a rough situation. Their offensive coordinator retired just a couple weeks ago, leaving them without one. Um, And you have Brent Pry calling our defense right now a very experienced defense, as we've talked about, up against an offensive coordinator-less team. Um, now ODU does have lots of returners on their offense they're an experienced offense which does match up against Virginia Tech well but I do think that the Hokies have the
0: advantage in this one certainly and I think to add to that coaching staff um, note as well this is a very very interesting situation for me I I want you to give a a, a guess what their oldest coach is what's the oldest coach's age At ODU. Oh, oldest coach. Like, go with,
1: let's see, 75.
0: You almost doubled it. Their oldest coach is running back coach Tony Lucas, who is 41. 41 is their Their oldest. Their youngest coach, um, all on the ODU website here, is Victor. Iroconsi. I hope I didn't mess that name up. But he's 28 years old. This staff, and this is this was very cool to me seeing this. And big shout out to uh, ODU here. They have the youngest coaching staff in the country at an average age of 33 and a half years old. So wow. yeah, when, when you're talking about trick plays and whatnot, when you're when you're saying that, and that comes into my mind, it's like you know what. That could be something that ODU really throws out here, particularly because this was a team that struggled last year. So why wouldn't they want to be able to really try to be flashy to really catch Prime Virginia Tech off guard? So I do think that that may be a factor that can keep ODU's parks kind of sort of in this game. Um, but ultimately, as you said, these coaches know each other really well. It's going to be hard, you know, it's going to be less about out-coaching one another, more about talent. And as we've seen, you know, ODU's talent struggled to get off the ground last year. And the easy discrepancy is the fact that we are in a bigger conference than the ACC. And thus, we're going to get the eyes of, generally speaking, uh, higher, at least higher rated talent. But most of the time, you know, higher rate, good talent, yada, yada, yada. We have a lot of good talent. We have a lot of veteran talent as well with that in mind. So I, I I found that coaching, staffing to be very, very interesting. And again, I do think that there's going to be some flashy plays to try to be able to catch Pry off guard because they they, they, they need to. It's it's going to be something big for them because VT has to make a statement here. And you've got to you know have that team will settle down in a sense, at least kind of from my thinking. But I don't think it's going to matter too much. You and I, I said this to you before. Um, we started recording. I I, you know it might sound captain obvious, but I I think it's gonna go one of two ways. Either Virginia Tech is gonna come out guns blazing and cool off towards the end because they ultimately don't need to press that much harder. Or ODU is gonna stick with Virginia Tech for a little bit, it'll be a relatively close game. But then in the second half, if not maybe even towards the end of the second quarter, Virginia Tech's just gonna have their way with the ball That's how I see this game going. I don't think it's going to be an even bout between the two sides because Virginia Tech's coming in here with a lot to prove and a lot of passion for this specific game to particularly get out on the right foot. I personally have this as a 38 to 10 win for the Hokies, and I think Grant Wells is actually going to have a little bit of a show day, uh, you know, a a show off here because I think with, you know, uh, no Malachi Thomas, that doesn't mean you're going to run less, but that means that they may. They may show off Grant Wells a little bit more, particularly against the side that is in a power five opponent.
1: Yeah, and speaking of Grant Wells against ODU, um, he actually played against them last year. Mm-hmm. Um, one. He won. It with this final score was 20 to 13 in overtime. Um, so this is not a team he's unfamiliar with. He knows mm-hmm. ODU. He played him just last year. And I do think that gives tech a slight advantage. Um You know, he's got a better receiving core. ODU has lost some defensive starters. Now, he did have two turnovers in that game last year. Um, The rest of his stats were pretty good, of course, outside those two turnovers. But Mm -hmm. as we've talked about a lot on this podcast so far, he seems to, at least from what coaches have been saying, seems to have gotten a lot better with the turnover problems. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I think all those factors combined... I think tech has an edge here. And I think some key, some keys to this game are now, I hope now that pry is our coach, this problem will be gone, but playing down to the level of our opponents, mm. um, you know, not making bad mistakes. And as you mentioned, I think it's really crucial that tech starts off strong here. I think we need to go into old dominions town, their stadium. We need to come in. We need to be like, you know, we're here. We're here to play. We're here to win. I think on that first drive, they just got to take it down, get a touchdown, you know, really show them like, we're here to win, especially after I hate to bring it up, but that 2018 loss, you know, and for my score prediction, um, I have it as Hokies 34 and Old Dominion at 20. So I do have the Hokies coming out of this one with a win.
0: Yeah, I, I actually do really agree with you on that first drive as well. It's not, you know, you don't want a quick first drive or anything. You want an efficient, ineffective first drive. You want to show kind of like how that offense has changed, particularly the offense. And you want to show the efficiency that they're capable of with this talent. And, yeah, that's that's kind of, you know, I think that leans more towards my, the Pokies come out guns blazing. But, you know, we'll we'll see how the game turns out ultimately. You know, we, we think that the talent is going to be able to win the day for Genie Tech. But with that in mind, that's a little bit of a look at the upcoming games. So how about here, then, we go into the season as a whole. Now, I'm going to go ahead and lay out our schedule before we go into this, but I want us to be able to put these games into three categories, or at the very least discuss um, of must-win games, toss-up games, and what I said is games that we put up a fight. This games that we most likely lose, but we hopefully put up a fight in those games, and then after that, we'll go ahead and give the record of uh, how we think we're going to go about it. So, before that, of course, I do want to lay out the whole schedule. Um, so this week, of course, we have ODU uh, on Friday uh, in Norfolk, then we come back home for Saturday to play Boston College, follow that up with Wofford, and then we have the big Virginia Tech West Virginia cross state rivalry. Uh, on a Thursday night. Then we take a little bit of an away trip going to UNC and Pitt. And then we come back right before the bye week to play Miami. Coming out of the bye week, we have the Wolfpack away from home. Then we come back home for Georgia Tech before we take as many road trips to Duke and Liberty. And we come back to face, of course, the last game of the season against our rivals, Virginia. So with that, I'm gonna go ahead and break down how I have this and we'll see if we're similar here. So, the games I have as must wins are pretty similar to that of what um, Carter Hill has uh, on the Lunch Pail pail article. And I do very much recommend that you guys read that. It's a really good article. Um, But the wins that we have, that I have as must wins are ODU, Wofford, West Virginia, Georgia Tech, Duke. Um, They're all, Weaker teams, including West Virginia. I I looked at some Big 12 predictions. One second. Had a cough for a second. Don't want to cough on Mike. Um, But I looked at some Big 12 season predictions, and a lot of people are kind of mixed on them but are mostly low on West Virginia. And the rest of these teams are meant to be low, uh, whether it's in the ACC, or ultimately they're just in non-power flag conferences and their games that we kind of expect uh, to be able to win would you add a game in there? or would you take a game out
1: I'd, I'd swap some um so looking at this schedule I have ODU as a win I have Wofford as a win I have Georgia Tech Duke I also have Liberty in um I have Liberty as a win and I have to put UVA in the win category of course you know Take it on UVA and Lane Stadium. I think we win that game. D- am I probably biased in that situation? Sure. But I think we win that game.
0: Um, I mean, I can certainly see that game as a must win. Both of us on first year head coaches and Virginia Tech has beat UVA 20 times in the past 22 years. So I can certainly see that. But I just kind of figured that, you know, it's, I, I think for a lot of the games that I put here is the talent discrepancy thing outside of West Virginia. And that's because I'm not saying our talent is quite even, but it's more we lost that game last year, but we kind of chose Because not only did we start out slow against West Virginia, they had a two touchdown lead on us right off the rip, if I remember right. But then on top of that, We also had the game-winning drive possibility and choked in the red zone. One thing that hockey fans, unfortunately, witnessed a good bit last season, and that's something that we cannot allow to happen. We need to, like that game in particular, even more so than the ODU game, is to show a sign of growth for this team, for this program. That's why it's such a huge game. Obviously, the UVA game is kind of that as well, but both on first-year head coaches, and to be honest, Virginia has a really solid offense. So that's why I didn't put them in muscle. win I'll talk about my toss-ups after this. But for West Virginia, um, I don't think they've had any increase in talent, thus kind of showing with how they're projected in the Big 12 by most people. So that's why that was there for me. Um, Toss-up games, I had as Boston College, UNC, Liberty, and UVA. Um, the only reason Liberty's at a toss up rather than a must win is because Liberty did beat us a couple of years ago, which is sad to say, but it's true. Um, but then on top of that, we are going away to Liberty. So they still have a decent quarterback in Charlie Brewer who transferred there. We're going away to Liberty. This is a team that is going to feel pumped up and excited to play us because they beat us at Blacksburg a couple of years ago. Um, so, I just kind of feel like that that might be a sneakily hard game for the Hokies. Um, and I feel like a lot of people might be saying that that's, you know, either a must win or whatnot, just because we really want to get back from what happened two years ago in that blown timeout call. But I, I do think the talent is there for Liberty to be able to possibly beat us.
1: Yeah. I mean, I agree with that. Unfortunately, you know, I'd like to say that we'd win every game. Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But. You know, with that Liberty game a few years ago, there's still so many of those players on this team, and I think they're going to go into that game angry. They're going to go hungry for that win, mm-hmm. and, you know, I I I feel confident
0: they can pull it out,
1: um, especially since they beat us at home. We want to beat them in their home now.
0: It would certainly be nice, and I, I, I will say it was a really good thing that we lost to them while we couldn't beat. At Lane, because if we would have lost to them at Lane with the fans there, it would have been pandemonium. It would have been chaos. So, <laughs> COVID thankfully saved the team from what would have definitely been a crazy, crazy after Lane, uh, you know, madness. But with that in mind, that for for people that have been following along, there's definitely only three games left in the, you know, put up a fight, but most likely lose and that's pittsburgh miami and nc state uh all these teams are ranked all these teams are really good uh I, I, nc state's really well rounded um they've all got pretty good quarterbacks and keaton slovis and tyler van dyke and Devin leary these are going to be hard games and maybe we can compete in them it'd be nice if we can compete in them but to say that they're losses i think is pretty unsurprising
1: Yeah. And I agree with that. Um, I know our, our toss up category was a little different. I had West Virginia as a toss up. Um, I remember watching that West Virginia game last year and just my heart sank at the end of that game. That was a really difficult one to watch. Um, I do think it's a toss up this year, although I think it's a toss up that does lean more towards a win. Um, UNC, I have a toss up and then, you know, looking at the schedule, I know we've talked about having an easier schedule this year, but October is going to be rough. You know, we start October 1st with UNC Pitt on the eighth Miami on the 15th. And then we have the bye week the 22nd and then NC state. So although I do feel like we have an easier schedule, maybe compared to other years, that's going to be a really difficult stretch, um, for that span of a couple of weeks. And then to the next category, the games that, you know, I, I do think we put up a fight, but we don't win. I have Pitt, Miami and NC state. Yeah. You know, I loved pull out a win there, but those are some really strong teams right now. And I unfortunately just don't think we're there yet.
0: Yeah, I think everybody has those three teams in that category. And I think it's, you know, it's hard not to. Um, They're just such good teams. I mean, all those teams as well were teams that uh, were competing to win their, you know, the specific uh, divisions in the ACC uh, last year. So, I, if I remember at Miami – no, Miami was in the lead for a good time, and then they choked it away uh, to Wake Forest. But, yeah, I mean, these are teams that were competitive last year, and they still have really good talent. It's going to be hard to be able to do it. And, on top of that, outside of Miami, you know, the other two games are away from home. We're playing NC State at NC State. We're playing Pitt in Pittsburgh. So, it's kind of hard to say that we're going to take away games from really – Good Frank's talent. So, with that in mind as well, we've we've put them up into our categories. Uh, so we'll have a ceiling and a floor for this team, uh, and I'll go ahead and start off with mine. I have to say that I think my ceiling is a little bit more optimistic than others, and the reason in being is I have our ceiling at nine and three. Now I'll talk about my record, but that's saying that we win all of our must-win games. And in all honesty, that's me also saying that we win three toss ups and one put up a fight game. I I do still think that we lose one of those toss up games, but I could see us being able to pull a a winning way, honestly, more from Pitt uh, if this scenario were to happen. Because I still think one of the toss up games we are going to lose, whether we choke or something like that, because this is this is a new era and whatnot, but particularly pit of any of the teams and put up a fight, if I was to put them into uh, the toss-up category, it would be the Panthers. And it's because, yeah, they have Keenan Slovis, and you know there hasn't been drastic changes, but they did lose uh, their top wide receiver who transferred to USC. Uh, they also lost Kenny Pickett, who's now in the NFL. So they lost uh, those two big names, and I believe they lost their offensive coordinator as well. I could be misremembering on that end, but still. They they lost a lot on the offensive side of the ball, and the last two times we played Pitt have been blowouts. Uh, I believe it was like because I was looking at it earlier today. It was like twenty eight to seven and like forty eight to ten last year. Like it it's been embarrassing blowouts that we've had against Pitt in the past couple of years. And I think that that could be very very much something that could heat up uh, the Hokies going into that away game. Plus, you know, if everything somehow goes out right, you're either, you know. Four and one, or five and zero, oh going into pit. So I could see that possibly being a little bit of a steal. But ultimately, I actually, forgot to save my record. But ultimately, I have us going eight and four with us losing to UNC, Pitt, Miami, NC State. Um, you know, three of those games are away from home. One of those games are against Miami at home. Um, and I think that the team's going to look a lot better than people may expect. That's why I have them at eight and four. But even more in particular, it's, you have to look at the schedule, not only the you know the strength of opponents, but it's kind of how we have them. If we had Boston College later in the season, I would probably put the Eagles over us. But since we have them in our first home game and we're already going to have a lot of fire for ODU, I can see that fire easily transferring over to Boston College and leading to a win. I honestly think that we're going to start off 4 and up, and that's because – we're going to have to fire in the first two games, then Wofford is going to be a game where ultimately just kind of have to be on cruise control before the fire should really engulf into a huge flame against West Virginia. Um, it's going to kind of all culminates to that Thursday night game. And I think with that, that's going to kind of set a good stride for the season, at least to start. Now, that does mean that I, I do think we lose three games in a row, actually four games in a row, but so it's very much a very high and very low season, but that's that's kind of how I have things uh, turning out here. Um, I think we lose one of those toss-up games, um, whether we're close in it or not, and we overall just kind of fight well. The one thing I just thought about with UNC though, which is really interesting, is I believe we've beat them in five of the past six years. So I don't even know if I feel confident about UNC us losing to now.
1: Yeah, that brings up a good point with UNC. You're making me think about that now. Um, I was a little lower than you were. I had my floor at five and seven, although I don't okay. think that's gonna happen. That's just the floor. Um, and the ceiling at eight and four. Um, mm-hmm. my prediction, however, goes to seven and five. Um, with my five losses being unfortunately five in a row with West Virginia, UNC, mm-hmm. Pitt, Miami, and NC State. You know, I think we go into that West Virginia game three and oh. Um, but I, I think one thing now we are, we are going to have a very strong home field advantage there, but I think there's going to be a lot of West Virginia fans at this game. I think assuming we do go three, and know, maybe come in a little bit cocky. Um, you know, I think we've had issues in the past, as I mentioned, playing down to other teams. Mm. I hope that issue is done this year with Brent pry as our coach now. But overall, you know, those are my five losses. I think we're going to have a really rough stretch um, from the end of September to October. Mm-hmm. My ceiling is eight and four um, with the changed game and that being the West Virginia game. I think out of the five losses I mentioned, that's the one we're most likely to win. You know, I just, it's hard for me to give them an eight and four record, given the fact just of the talent that was lost.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: new talent on the team that you know it's new it has yet to be developed um but of course it will develop as time goes on and just be having a first year head coach you know i think there's just a lot of factors right now we're a growing team and a growing re uh, i should say the word regrowing franchise and i think we're absolutely gonna have a better year i think we're gonna make a bowl game uh I just don't see eight and four happening though. um I think there's a small possibility, but I think realistically, this team's going to go seven and five.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just one higher on all of them, which is kind of scary to me because I was the optimist last year between Dan and I, and that didn't turn out being great. um But I don't know. This is going to be very interesting. It's definitely going to come down to those toss-up games. I will say, I was kind of debating having one of the must-wins be a loss out of you know, whether it's that quote-unquote cockiness or just kind of like it's just a game that you can choke out of nowhere. Um, but I, I couldn't bring myself to that, to be honest. I just couldn't really see one of those games where I really thought that, that would happen. Um, yeah, I
1: agree with that. I think it could happen. Um, <laughs> ideally, I hope it doesn't. But, you know, mm-hmm. with my record, I think even if that does happen, we pull a win out somewhere else. I You know, even sure. if I think we we have an unfortunate loss that should not be a loss mm-hmm. you know I still think we pull out seven and five
0: yeah I mean this this season you know it, as we talked about we have really hot streaks and really cold streaks it's it's going to be interesting to see how things turn out but ultimately it's going to be a season that particularly on the cold streaks will test us um, and ultimately it's though a weaker schedule as we kind of agree on It's still a schedule that particularly with that middle of the season, it's really going to test Pry and this team. So that's very, very exciting to see. We're just about the same range. I'm just one game higher in my actual prediction of the record. Um, But with everything out of the way, that is the Virginia Tech season. That's a lot to talk about here. But we talked about a little bit of bull takes from Lunch Pail. Why can't we have our own? I want to have our own bull takes. So with that in mind, I actually – came up with a couple of VT bull takes and a couple of ACC bull takes. I believe uh, you either at least have one or both of those as well. And I want to start off with my first one here in which as I as I said earlier, I didn't think that will Lachlan went bold enough on our defense. I think we have a lot of veteran talent on that defense and a lot of really well driven defensive minded talent in our staff. I think that VT finishing as a top thirty defense honestly should even be the uh, top thirty defense in the nation should honestly kind of even be an expectation. Maybe the bull take would be a little bit higher, but I I do still think that top thirty defense statistically is going to be hard to reach. So I still think that that's a fair bull take to have, particularly for a first year head coach.
1: Yeah, you know I I can absolutely see that. And when you have such a defensive minded head coach, I feel like in the day and age where there's a lot of offensive minds out there, I really do think Virginia Tech could pull that one out. Um, I know it's bold, but, you know, bold predictions come true every year, right? Sure.
0: <laughs> you know, I think this one could come true. Hopefully. What about one of yours? Or do you have one for Virginia Tech?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I'm looking at Virginia Tech. We've talked about records and you know, this might be pretty bold here and it actually ties into my other bold prediction, but I'll get to that in a second. You know, I'm, I'm looking at the ACC coastal and it's bold, but I could see us getting third. Um, Mm. and I'll I'll get to my top two teams in a minute, you know, but you look at who's in the ACC coastal, you have North Carolina, Duke, Georgia tech, who I'm going to put at the bottom three, um, in no particular order maybe I'll put UNC above Virginia. Actually. I'll, I, I take that back. I'm going to put UVA, Georgia tech and Duke in the bottom three. I'm going to put UNC right smack in the middle. Um, And then this leads into my other bold take. I think the U university of Miami takes the ACC coastal. I think they win Mm -hmm. it. Um, And I know we'll get into your take on the Atlantic side of the ACC Mm -hmm. in just a moment, but with that, uh, my take on the final rankings for the ACC Coastal would be Miami, Pitt, Virginia Tech, North Carolina, Virginia, Georgia Tech, Duke. Um, uh, honestly, I'm, I'm right there. With you, I think we can pull out third.
0: I, I don't know how confident I feel about pulling out third.
1: I mean, hey, we said bold takes.
0: No, I no, I know, third. I know, maybe fourth, but. <sighs> I'm not, I'm, hey, I'm not, you know, giving you any slack for putting us third. That's why, you know, that's why I'm, yeah, it's a bold take. That's why I'm saying I don't know how I feel about us being third. But what I will say is, is you and I, I think, are in the same mind for Miami. I'll talk about it more later. But I feel really, really good about that team coached by Cristobal and a lot of the really good offensive talent that they have. Um, so I feel like winning the Coastal isn't that big of a surprise and honestly isn't that big of a challenge. To, to no, it's not. Prepared, you know uh as we talked about pitt lost a lot of offensive talent uh uva is uh, in a first year new head coach and it's had a really struggling defense um unc is kind of all over the place and lost like, a whole bunch of their talent over the past two years like i i feel like it's a completely new slate at unc outside of like josh downs um So I feel like the Coastal is very much up for grabs. It's just a function of what team's going to be able to find that momentum that they need. Um,
1: Yeah, and I think Miami's going to be that team. And if it's not, I think it's going to be Pitt. I think, unfortunately, not naming Virginia Tech in this group, but I I really do think Pitt and Miami are kind of the only teams that have a shot at winning um, the Coastal side.
0: No, for sure, and I agree with that. And I, I'll, I'll, I'll get back to that, obviously, and I'll talk about I, what I think is the ACC championship game. But my other bold prediction for Virginia Tech is that I think our two, the top two running backs, combined for at least 1.8,000 yards on the ground, or no, why say 1.8,000, a thousand eight hundred yards on the ground. Um, you know, if if you go and look at a lot of Wisconsin stats, I even looked at the stats from last year in their running game. Uh, the top two running backs uh, rushing wise for the Badgers, Braylon Allen and Chesma Lucy, uh, combined for 2,000, almost 2,100 yards. That's pretty good. And we talked and I talked about the fact of how good of a coach Rudolph is uh, for that offensive line. And the fact that I think that this team is really going to focus on a lot of the talent they have at the running back position. So, with all that combined, I believe between Thomas and Holston, expecting at least 1,800 yards between the two, is is pretty reasonable, particularly for a first year. Uh, for the first year, uh, if this was you know second year of Pry and Rudolph and everyone, I'd probably put it even higher. But I think I don't want to go too bold. So I want I want to say that you know uh, 1,800 yards between our top two rushers is uh acceptable if i was to say for the whole rushing that's probably then leading closer to like 23 2400 um but top two guys get a lot of yards this year that's my hope
1: yeah you know i hope for that too i can get behind that too um and you know it's funny my other bold prediction for virginia tech also does have to do with yardage um Hmm. I want to preface this by saying that last year with, uh, Marshall Grant Wells had 3,532 yards in the 2021 20, season.
0: Oh, I'm sure yeah. where this is going.
1: The single season passing yards, uh, record for a Virginia tight quarterback, uh, set by Gerard Evans in 2016 is 3,546. Oh, that's a 14 yard difference. Now I'm not saying, My take is not going to be that Grant Wells breaks that record. My take is he's going to get in the top three. Um, The top three at this time, as we just mentioned, Gerard Evans 2016, Don Strzok uh, 3,243 yards in 1972, and Logan Thomas 3,013 in 2011. And last year, Grant Wells had 3,500, 3,532. So my hot take is he moves into the top three on that list. He loves to pass that ball, sometimes a little too much, but I really think, and I know the opponents are a bit harder this year, but I think if we can really utilize his arm, really, again, as I mentioned earlier with the offensive line, give him as much time as we can. We've got some pretty speedy wide receivers too. I think that's really going to benefit us, you know, getting more open coverage, I think he can potentially break into that top three range, potentially top four. But I'm gonna go with uh, he moves into the top three single season hokey passing hokey passing record holder. He's a top three. <laughs> that's my hot take.
0: I like that. I I think that's very interesting. I obviously with the opinion that I shared on Wells, I personally wouldn't be quite up there, but. You know, I, I, I can certainly see it happening, particularly if we focus a bit more on the passing game than I currently expect us to. Um uh maybe we'd have to be down in games a little bit more frequently, more early to be able to allow that to happen. Um, but it could certainly happen. I could certainly see Grant Wells being able to sling it well. Um, I do kind of agree with you with this sense. I do think that he should have more yards than any of our like prior starting quarterbacks have had, even if you need to combine like Hooker and Burmeister uh back in the COVID season. Um and then like Hooker and like Willis or something like that in the season prior. I do agree with that. I definitely think that he should have more yards there, but we'll see. I mean, hey, imagine if we we're somehow right on both those bull takes I will say if that was somehow happened, our record would definitely be way better than eight and four, seven and five. Absolutely. That would be, that'd be scary. That'd be one of the better offenses in, in college football. Scary. So I don't quite know if we're there, but you know, I, 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 I can would see.
1: Love to see it happen. I, I know it's mostly yeah. wishful thinking, but I agree. you know, we, we did see, although in a non-Power 5 conference, um, we did see how he performed last year. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering how much of that translates over to this year.
0: Certainly love to see it happen, but honestly, even more so, I do think that you you might be right before the time that Grant Wells is uh, uh, done being a hokey. I could see him being able to get into that top three. Certainly, I don't know if it's this year, but I do really really like it. Now I do I have the hokey for a long time. That's for sure. Oh, I'm hoping. I'd love to have him for three years in a row. Absolutely. Um, But with that in mind, I do want to go into my ACC bold takes before we go ahead and bid you all adieu. So I want to go ahead and go with my first one, which I think is probably the boldest take, um, because nobody in the media would agree with me on this. But I think Clemson gets worse. I think they have a worse record than they did last year. Um, And I think that a lot of people are inflating Clemson because it's Clemson. Um, this is a team that just lost its offensive and defensive coordinator in the same offseason. And sure, Dabba Winnie's a good coach, and Dabba Winnie is with this team to a lot of success. However, losing two really good coaches Tony Elliott and Brent Vidables, is insane, particularly in the same offseason. And there was a lot of struggles on the offense last year. Um, wasn't quite what we anticipated he would be, and the run game wasn't quite what we anticipated it to be. And when Clemson is actually having a relatively decent like, like it's going to be a rough schedule at times. I can see this happening. They have to take a trip to Wake Forest, who will probably be one of the better teams in the ECC again this year, with Sam Partman still at the helm. He is, but um, you know, sometimes I just kind of say. I digress. Um, They have NC State coming into town. They have Boston College away from home. That's a sneakily hard game, uh, you know, assuming that Yurkovic is going to be there. They have Notre Dame away from home. They have Miami coming into town. They have South Carolina coming into town, a team that has been really uh, doing really well um, uh, under Shane Beamer. So they have some sneakily tough games this year for a team that lost two important members of his coaching staff. That's why I think Clemson's going to get worse rather than getting
1: better. Yeah, I can agree with that take. I just pulled up their schedule here and looking through it, they've got some really difficult away games. Yep. You know, like, as you said, Notre Dame, Florida State, Boston College, Wake Forest. I mean, those are not easy places to play. Yep. Those are not easy teams to beat. Um, and then of course, as you mentioned, they have, nc state miami south carolina this is not an easy schedule for clemson Mm -hmm. Um, you you may have to remind me what was their what was their final
0: record at the end of last year i will look at what their record was but i believe uh, i I can confirm but i believe it was nine and three okay i just
1: pulled it up within the conference they were six and two overall they were ten and three
0: 10 and three. Okay. Um.
1: Looking at this schedule, I think your take is absolutely correct. Only two conference games. I don't see, I see them losing more than two conference games. I mean, I think Miami at wake forest. I think that's two right there. NC Mm -hmm. state throw that in. That's three. And And they they had their number last year.
0: So yeah. Yeah,
1: Interesting to see where Clemson goes from here. That's definitely a a team I'm very interested in following this year.
0: Very interesting time. But what I will say is, is you know, obviously we're both pointing out this hard schedule to kind of shift away from Clemson because that means that there's going to be a different team um, from their division being able to get into the ECC championship game. I have here, just like last year, a, I think we're going to have another first-time championship game matchup. And I have this matchup being NC State against Miami. I think NC State is the, the best team in the, uh, in the, the conference. I think it's, the, it's theirs to lose, to be honest. I really love this uh, NC State team going into this season. Uh, but it, it, for the Atlantic being led by Devin Leary, um, it's a very strong, well-run program. And I think that, honestly, of the ACC teams, and this is actually reflected in the media, I think they have the best chance of an ACC team to make the college football playoffs this year. Will they? Probably not. But I think that they do have the best chance. I think they have the best talent to be able to make it happen. Um, And then we've already talked about Miami. The Coastal is a bit of a toss up uh crystal ball year one tyler van dyke's really talented they have some good talent on the roster it seems like miami has a lot of positive air under its sails um so being able to have what i think is probably the two best quarterbacks in the acc meeting in the championship game is not that much of a surprise the only other guy i could see getting thrown in there sam hartman uh maybe phil yurkovic well actually no, no brennan armstrong as well gosh how did i forget Brandon armstrong? But you know, th- th- there's definitely a little bit of a, a test for who's the top guys, but I think Leary and Van Dyke are definitely in that conversation and to see those two meet up in the championship game for a first time championship game matchup, just like last year, back to back first time matchups uh, and the first time that NC State would have even made the championship game really, really cool. And I think it'll
1: happen. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. As you said, it's NC State's to lose. I think the only team that potentially could come close is wake forest. And as we had mentioned, I don't think Clemson's going to be as good this year. I don't think they're going to be able to compete for that top spot. I, I would say I'm probably 95% sure NC state is uh, going to win that side. And then who they play in the ACC championship game, I think is very likely to be Miami. I think NC state mm-hmm. comes away with the win there. I would love to see NC state represent the ACC in a national championship game, you know, I feel like the ACC has been looked down upon recently. Um, we haven't had as many powerhouse teams recently. Um, especially with Clemson going down, even as a four seed, I would love to see NC state representing the ACC in the college football playoffs. That's absolutely something I am rooting for this year.
0: They'll certainly be up there, and I think these teams are probably going to be flirting with the top 10 for a good portion of the season. It's just a function of if they end up there or not. Uh, I could certainly see NC State doing it, as I said. I, I don't think it'll happen. I don't think the ACC is going to have a college football playoff spot this year, but I think and if any team is to get it done, I 100% feel confident that it would be NC State of them.
1: Yeah. I agree with that. And looking at um, the rankings here right now, if we look, there's a couple ACC teams ranked. Um, NC State, uh, 13, Miami, 16, Pittsburgh, 17,
0: uh, Wake Forest,
1: 22. Right?
0: So. Clemson's up there too, definitely, right? Definitely.
1: Uh, um, Clemson. Yep. It's... I scrolled right past that as we were talking about Clemson, you know. I,
0: I don't get it. four. National
1: media. If you want to count Notre Dame, Notre Dame is five. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we kind of claim them, you know, in the ACC here, even though they're independent, they play us all the time. So, for the purpose of rankings, we'll claim Notre Dame there. But, um, yeah, I'm really shocked, Clemson. I remember when that came out; I was shocked Clemson was ranked fourth over some of these teams. That was just hard for me to believe.
0: It's what the national media does with Texas. It's insane. Like, stop it. You, they were not that good last year. They, you know, they
1: didn't even have an NFL draft pick last year, if that's correct. I don't think they had anybody drafted.
0: You that's might true. be right, but I'm completely – I wouldn't even know who they would have had drafted. I, I feel know. like most of their guys stayed around, right? Like Shipley and Thomas and Uwe Galele. Yeah, uh, I'm
1: to see what happens with Texas this year, especially before
0: going into the SEC. Oh, definitely. And actually, the one name that I thought of as we're talking about this now, um, the one name that I just thought of, and I do want to see if he was, I don't think he was. Yeah, I think the one player that could have possibly for NCC, but he didn't get drafted, was Justin Ross. So I think that was the only guy they could add. So I think you're right. But that's on Clemson. I, I don't want to be talking about Clemson right now. I'd rather talk about the top teams, if anything. But honestly... We have a boot takes out. We've had everything. So unless you have anything to add, I think that's the end of a very good episode here talking about Virginia Tech football and a little bit of a preview.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, the only thing I have to add is just, I'm really looking forward to this season. You know, I've got my mm-hmm. student season tickets. I can't wait to be jumping in Lane Stadium on September 10th.
0: I certainly agree with that. And it's going to be great to have the Hokies back. It's going to be great to have... Football back in general. I mean, gosh, just after this week, we are going to have the NFL back. But with that in mind, Abby, I want to thank you, of course, for joining me uh, on this episode of the 3304 Sports podcast, giving uh, you all an overview of Virginia Tech and how we think that things are going to land this year. Um, we're going to be talking a lot of Virginia Tech football, of course. We're going to have recaps. We're going to have uh, game previews. Uh, we're going to be giving you guys a lot of uh, Virginia Tech football content uh, this year and even talk about this as well. We're gonna give you guys some really good Virginia Tech uh, content in its own episodes, uh, talking about uh, some of these smaller Olympic sports. Um, You know, a a little bit of a reveal here, a little bit of a drop. Uh, We're gonna be talking about soccer. We're gonna be talking about volleyball and we're gonna be able to give you guys specific episodes for them to give you guys a little bit of an idea, a little bit of a heads up, a little bit of, you know, who's doing what and even talk, maybe even talk about the world of those college sports. I don't know what we're going to see with that. It's going to be very, very exciting. We're going to have a little bit of preseason preview with the beat writers come next week uh, for uh, Virginia Tech soccer, uh, men's and women's. And it's going to be very, very exciting to do. But with that being said, of course, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the 33.4 Sports Cup Podcast. I've been Colby on joined alongside by Abby Nielsen. I hope you all have a great rest of your day. And I hope you guys enjoy get to enjoy with us a good, fun, hopefully win against ODU this Friday.